0: Let's pray together. Um, ask God to, to bring those words to life in our hearts. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the fact that you exist as, as friendship in Father, Son, and Spirit. And Father, we pray as we uh, tackle this tricky topic that, Lord, you would uh, help us to see your word, what's in there. Help us to hear you saying, you speaking it to us. And Father, that we might be nourished by it, but also that we might obey it and that we might uh, see in you what true friendship looks like. We ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, we are in practical church, um, and I, uh, I do wonder what you think of when I say the phrase, church friendships. Um, some of you might be thinking, I want these kinds of friends in theory, but I have no idea how to get them. Thank you so much, son. Good on you. Um, I like this concept, you know, that people could be my friends, but uh, I, don't, I don't have any. Um, some of you might be thinking I'd like to be a better friend to my church friends. Some of you weren't thinking that, but now you are. Some of you still aren't thinking that, but you should be. Uh, that's me. <laughs> um, some of us feel warm inside because you've, you've got church friends uh, who have been your friend your whole life and they're church friends. And some of you uh, don't have a warm feeling about that. You just meh because it's just, you just assume it. Some of you are thinking about that person at church, you'd love to be your friend, but just it hasn't quite worked out like that. Some of us feel lonely, scared you'll never have any friends at church. And some of you think the fact that you feel that way means you should be ashamed of yourself, making it even harder and harder to come to church each week. And some of you will just be angry about that. See, there's all different spaces that we think of, all different places we come from, when we think about friendship at church. And so I just—I guess I just wanted to start with that to recognise that, that even talking about this topic will actually feel like I'm sticking my finger into a sore spot for some of us this afternoon. Um, and I just wanna say, if that's you, thank you for coming. Because you could have chosen not to. You could have not had the courage, but praise God, you did have the courage to walk through the door. Please stick with this. This will be balm for your heart. Thank you so much, Tim. Um, Well, the first question I want to ask you guys is this, is do you need church friends? You can vaguely read it. Okay, I've kept most of it in high contrast. Um, Do you need them? Well, Genesis 3, the Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. The the very first thing that was not good was a human with no human relationships. Now, that might seem very, very basic, but actually it might be news to your heart Not in theory, but in practice, because you might actually be so used to being alone that you've come along to church convinced that you'd be better off without deeply connecting to anyone at church. Did you come to church hoping to, expecting to, thinking it would be a good thing if you connected deeply with someone else at church this afternoon? Because if not, maybe you don't believe that it's not good for people to be alone. Maybe it feels too scary, too much effort, too embarrassing, too risky. But God says it's not good. If you're if you're feeling the sting of loneliness, like understand that that's that's actually that's actually that's well that's good that's fine. You're meant to feel that because you're not yet you're are made for a relationship and we're not yet home with our heavenly Father in heaven. So it's normal for us to feel that little that that sting. Don't feel ashamed because of it. Um, but but we we need we need friends. We need to be with people deeply. We need to connect with others and it's not good when we're not. Now, so the other big question is, so therefore what should we expect from church relationships? Because these, these can differ quite a bit, can't they? And the first thing to say is, not every relationship at church is a friendship. It's worth noting, isn't it? Like it's not, it's just not. Like uh, you might think that would be the ideal, but it's just not true. God doesn't promise friendships at church. There's a Bible verse that says, oh, by the way, and I'll definitely give you friends at your church. Now, that's not because church is a bad place for friendships. It's a brilliant place to find friendships. But because friendship is this particular thing, it's not sort of an automatic just part of the bundle with being Christian. I, for example, I can't demand that you be my friend just because you go to my church. You know, like, like I can't force you into that. And even if I did, right, let's say, I, you know, use some sort of pretend ecclesiastical authority that I, that I might think that I have here to, to force you to be my friend, it wouldn't work, would it? Because you wouldn't actually be my friend. It wouldn't, that's not how friendships are. That's not what a friendship is. And so we can't force someone else to be my bestie at church. Now, I can expect and hope that they will act like I am family. Like, I mean, I've seen how Tim, one of our elders, treats his sister. Um, you know, lots of, lots, of, lots of plenty of banter there. So maybe, maybe maybe I wouldn't want to be Tim's brother, you know. Like, I'm not, I'm not sure if this is a good thing, but, but that's what I get. I definitely get family as I come to church. That's, that's baked into it, but it's not quite the same thing as friendship. Not exactly the same thing. Now, we'll all have different expectations of what friendship should look like. And also, then, we'll have different capacities to action that. And that's worth recognizing. So when you're here at church and you're talking to someone, you're hoping that they'll be your friend or you think that they're your friend and then they act this way and you're like, but I wouldn't act that way if I was your friend, but they're acting this way. Well, maybe they think that they're your friend and you're acting in a way that they don't think a friend would normally act. And what we're talking about here is a complex system of relating and getting to know other human beings. It's going to have this continual sort of bearing of burdens kind of character to it while we, while we understand each other's expectations, while we work at communicating what's going to make this unique, weird, once-off relationship work. How, is the, are, we going to, how are we going to configure our friendship? Friendships are just particular things. There's not, they're not general. It's very hard to do this to- I found that very hard to write this talk this week because they are so specific. Each one is so unique. Last thing they do, they do definitely, if you're thinking about what to expect, they should, you should expect that they require this, this you know, uh, bearing of each other's burdens, this hard work at working out expectations and relating, but they also require time. Which means you've got to say no to something else if you want a friendship. So you can't just say, oh, I'm going to be this person's friend and then not change anything about your life if you actually want to be their real friend. Because you've just said no to them. Every time you say yes to all the other stuff, you're always saying yes to this is just reality, by the way. There's not, not, a, not a command, but just something to observe. All right. Now, what I've said friendships are special. Friendships are different. They're not just brother, sister at church, they're something special. How so? How are they special? I'm going to bring out a couple of things. All right. First one is you can't actually have very many friends. I tried having lots of friends once, right? I went from having no friends at high school and then I got sort of brought into this little friendship group at my um, University Christian Fellowship and then the church that I went to. And I'm like, right, okay, no friends. I've worked out that sucks. <laughs> That's really bad. So I'm going to do the opposite. As many friends as I can have. I'm going to have all the friends. And I pretty much succeeded at the level of actually becoming known by everyone in all, every scene that I was a part of. But it didn't work. Like You show me any person who's got a large number of people that they consider close friends and I'll show you someone who doesn't feel loved. I mean that. See, a person like that is not confident that they can simply be themselves and be loved so that they keep relationships broad and shallow. Lots of fun, but not much honest open truth. Not much time investing in the depth. You can't when you've got that many. You see, it requires a lot just to be in friendships and you've got to invest in them. You can't have lots of friends, not possible. Second thing about friendships is they actually require something in common. To have a friendship, you actually have to have something in common with the other person. Okay, lovers look deeply into each other's eyes. They hold long eye contact. You do that with a friend and they get creeped out and after not very long. Friends, well, why? Because friends, we look at the thing that we're doing together, right? We're doing something. We're having fun. We're talking about our common interests. We don't stare into each other's eyes because we're side by side looking at the thing. We're having fun doing. Uh, this is the basis of friendship. Now, C.S. Lewis had a, a way of putting this. Um, oh, 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 No, no, no. Surely, surely, surely. Where's my... bar? that slide didn't come through. You're kidding me. So disappointing. See, now you've just, you've just learned the talk already. if You can follow on that quick. He says... CS Lewis says, friendship is born at that moment when one person says to another, what, you too? I thought it was just me. I thought I was the only one. When you realise someone is like you. In fact, that's kind of, I mean, at a basic level, that's what Adam said when Eve rocked up, wasn't it? At last, someone like me. We can like talk about stuff. We've got something in common. We're both human beings. That was enough for Adam at that point. Like, she's not a dog. She's not a giraffe. This is, this is all I need. Um, now, you might think that's a little, you might think like a common interest might be a slightly too shallow a thing to start a friendship off of. I, I don't know if that thought came to you. Like, you know, oh, you like dogs, I like dogs. Hey, let's make let's be friends. It just seems like, oh, okay. Um, but, but friendship is particular, right? Like, friendship is the one type of relationship that's just, you can have it or you know it. You just choose it or you don't. And it's kind of neutral whether you're friends with this person or that friends with that person or, or, or not. Like, it's not, there's no moral should there. And in fact, friendship isn't even in the strictest sense necessary. It only arises when you happen to find someone you click with and you've got the same interest. And so you get into it and you invest in it and you do it together. C.S. Lewis says, it's when you find the same truth. It's when two people find out they've got the same truth. But he also says, I think, the, he says in the later paragraph, and he says it even better there. He actually says it could, it might not be that you've got the same truth. It could be that they care about the same truth, even if they disagree on what it is. Like you can actually have a really cool, like, you know, long-term bickering friendship with someone where you disagree on this one thing, but like that's the thing that keeps you together, that you just keep enjoying disagreeing about it. You can do that. I've seen friendships like that. It's not just whether you agree on everything. Have the same truth. But whether you care, there's a thing that both matters to you. And so you're both, whenever that thing's up, you guys are there. And it pulls you together. I have a thread with some people. One's in Brisbane, one's in Sweden, and one's in Tasmania. That's me. And we follow Arsenal. And we talk about the game during, before, after. Now, anyone here planning on watching the AFL Grand Final? People here who do that? Anyone? No. Okay, here we go. hey, all right, two people. we got the guts to put their hands up. Respect you, man. Now, uh, I'm assuming that you're planning on watching it on your own with the sound off. Just, yes. Yeah, yes. Why, why is that, James? I have no friends. <laughs> James has no friends. Glad you're here, brother. Um, right place to be. Um, but see, see, watching a footy final on your own. Oh, Benjamin, you're a beautiful man. See, watching a footy final on your own with no sound is pretty lame. Why? Because because there's no one to share it with. And you might say, no, well, no, I've got the sound off. You know, there's no people around yelling and screaming. It's just, it's, just, it's just that there's no atmosphere. And I'm like, yeah, well, what is atmosphere? What makes atmosphere at a football game? The fact that a whole bunch of other people are looking at the same thing and caring. And you can hear it. And you can sometimes smell it. And you can sometimes feel it as they jostle you and push you and shove you. And oh, I, don't, I don't really... Yeah, taste and see that football is not good. Yeah, don't want to don't want to do that. Um, see atmosphere is that sense it's it's when we sense. That's why they put the, that's why when the covid was on and the soccer was being played in empty stadiums, they played a backing track of cheering. They wrote a computer program to be able to watch the screen, work out when there was something exciting happening and and, and, and flick it over to a bit of the backing track where the people were getting more excited. It was that important. Being with people, high-fiving after the winning goal, yelling and screaming, and hearing other people yelling and screaming makes the experience. And even the post-mortem afterwards, like isn't this not what we have friendships over? Did you see that try when he did that thing? And then that thing happened, and oh my goodness, that referee, and you know, that Mark guy, he was a terrible Joel judge. And you know, all like we, 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 we sort of have these post-mortems afterwards. Or, or maybe for you it's, did you see that first painting? At the exhibition, that first one on the left when you walked in. Did you see the way the colours moved? And someone else, instead of just being like, uh, yeah, I guess, says, Did you notice the purple too? Or did you taste the caramel tones in that latte? Or did you see the cute picture that our kids did together? These are the things that friends enjoy together, common interests. And so friendship's a very special kind of relationship because you don't have to do it. You don't have to, but when you do find it, when you just choose to be friends, it's a very special thing because you know someone just chose that. They didn't have to, but they chose it with you. All right. Couple that was a couple of things on what friendship is. Now, what makes a good friend? These are things we all are going to need to know. I picked out a bunch of Proverbs. Well, I stole out someone else's list of Proverbs that they picked out when they preached on this and there was a good list. So uh, let's read it out. I'm going to read out a few Proverbs here and uh, you're allowed to laugh. (laughs) Proverbs are good. All right. A friend loves at all times. Oh, hold on. I've got them here. Uh, Yep, here we go. Friend loves at all times and a brother is born for a time of adversity. One who has unreliable friends soon comes to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. See, friendship seemed a little bit shallower than, than the family thing, and that was the really the deep intimate thing, but now all of a sudden it's more than a brother. Interesting. Seldom set foot in your neighbor's house. Too much of you, and they will hate you. Like one who takes away a garment on a cold day, or like vinegar poured on a wound, is one who sings songs to a heavy heart. I'm assuming we're talking happy, Bobby songs when the heart is sad. Like a maniac shooting flaming arrows of death is one who deceives their neighbor and says, ah, just joking. Dangerous game. Better is open rebuke than hidden love. Wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. Perfume and incense spring joy to the heart, and the pleasantness of a friend springs from their heartfelt advice. If anyone loudly blesses their neighbor early in the morning, it will be taken as a curse. (laughs) It's true for me. Whoever rebukes a person will in the end gain favor rather than the one who has the flattering tongue. And he who flatters their neighbours are spreading nets for their own feet. All right, I'm going to pull some bits and pieces out of this. Hear the wisdom of Solomon, the wisdom of God that he gave him. First thing, what makes a good friend? I think it's that you show up. It's about presence. It's, it's It's about being there. Not 24-7, we're told, not in their house 24-7, but, but, but being present. You can't be a friend who's not there. It doesn't work. You can't be a friend who's not engaged, who's not talking, who's not connecting. There might be something that you can then pick up again later, and there might be some depth that because you invested in for a long period of time, that it can last distance. But ultimately, when the, when, when the need is there, you've got to show up. And it is so powerful just to show up. It is huge. You have to care. A friend is born for adversity, and there's one who sticks closer than a brother. Now, secondly, I want to say the second thing to make be a good friend is you've got, to, you've got to look up. And what I mean by that is look up from your own navel-gazing to someone else. You've got to care. Sorry, it's because they all in they all up, the other two, and I so saw one of the, the middle one ending up as well. Sorry, it should really just say care. Okay. See, to be a truly wise friend, you've got to work out the limits of the friendship. If early mornings are not your friend's thing, don't turn on their stereo early in the morning when you get to their house and say, hey, I'm here. Like, this is not wise. The blessing will be taken as a curse. And so if you're all about you looking inwards, instead of looking up at them, if, if you tell, if you do this joke and have this big elaborate prank on them and they hate pranks and you say, oh, I was only joking. You're not looking at them. You're not sensitive to them. You're not caring about them and who they are. You're not being really careful with them. A friend needs to do that. A friend is not so caught up in their own issues that, that that's what they're in the friendship for. They're sensitive to and look up at the friend and where their friend's at, how they're going. They're not oblivious. Now, look, if if you're the nervous type right now who's thinking, oh, no, I knew that the other night when I was over there at my friend's place. I should have left earlier. I so should have left earlier. She'll be really angry at me now. Then it's probably, if that's what your tendency is, this is probably not for you. <laughs> like, don't, don't now be more anxious about trying to get away in time in just in case you stay too long. You're probably actually not the, even though you're the person who's going to hear this, this point the hardest, you're probably not the person to hear it, right? If you're like, but they like me being there till 3 a.m., <laughs> then this is you, right? You're the person to stop and say, hold on, am I actually so wrapped up in the fact that I'm enjoying the friendship that I'm not just attendant to the other? So just, it's sort of, this one be careful because it's the opposite person who hears this is probably the one who needs to. I think, uh, I'll just read that, that, that one again. If anyone loudly blesses their neighbour early in the morning, it'll be taken as a curse. You see, if you don't have the relational insight to get the other person then there's something lacking in the friendship if you're not attending to the other person. Third one, you have to share truth. You have to open up. There are lots of verses we could start with here. You know, the wounds from a friend can be trusted. Someone willing to share the truth. Better, better rebuke than flattery. But I want to start with this particular verse as you see the two sides of this. I'm going to flick back to find it. Um, it's... Uh, Twenty-seven seventeen. Where's that one? Must be right at the start, I think. I might not even have put that one in there. Oh goodness, I didn't put it in the slides. The first one, the first one was twenty-seven seventeen. No, seventeen seventeen. No, no. Thanks. Good pickup. But uh, I, yeah, I've, out, I've outdone myself in lameness here. All right. The twenty-seven seventeen says, "As iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another." As iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. Now, I'm, I'm, we're going to work this analogy for all it's worth, guys. <laughs> so stick with me here. But, but both surfaces have to be engaged for that to work. Like Billy was talking to us about putting an edge on his knife, and how you got to get a you got to get a shoulder sort of edge to it, a one sort of slightly shallower bevel, and then another one at the edge. And if but if you're not if you're not getting that stone on that edge, if both surfaces are not engaged the knife won't be sharpened. Now, what that means is for friendship to be at its best, at its deepest, for it to turn you into all that you can be to do that sharpening thing, because this is what friendship does. For better or for worse, it shapes you. And for better or for worse, your friendships do shape you, whether you think that they do or not. Both pieces must be engaged where it counts. And what does that mean? That means that you have to share of yourself with the other person. The real you, you can never be loved for someone that you are not. And so if you hold back in a relationship, if you pretend, if you don't share what you could, then you will never feel loved by the other person, even if they really do love you. Because you know that's not the real me that you've projected to them. And so you've, you've projected this not so real me, this kind of slightly more idealized, slightly less disorganized, slightly not so bad at things, slightly more impressive um, version of me. And they like that, but you're never sure about the real one. Even if they really do love the real you, and they probably do, but if you don't share the real one, then you'll never know, you'll never feel it. So we have to be the real us in relationships, which might take a bit of unlearning for many of us, I think, because it's, it, this is habitual stuff you don't even realise you're doing. I mean, like, I don't think too many of you here are deliberately misleading in your friendships, right? But they're just the little things, the little habits of hiding. But then, like I said, this is, that, that's the one sort of part, that might be the sharpening part or the blade, but then the other part has to share their true thoughts back. Both blades, truth and truth. And then sparks fly and humans get sharpened. Truth and truth. What I mean is, yes, a a friend loves at all times. And, And to have that sense that the other person has your back, you know, that they're trustworthy, they're on your side. Whatever you say to them, they'll be on your side in it. Yes, we need that. But if we are only ever that, if that's the nature of the relationship, only ever support, only ever affirmation, whatever I say, then in that case, there's some, there is an imbalance in that friendship. Someone's getting something out of that friendship and that's why they're there, not for truth because the truth's not coming out. Better is open rebuke than hidden love. Wounds from a friend can be trusted. It's an enemy who multiplies kisses. Have you been that friend who's actually after, after, later on realized you held back a lot? Almost multiplied kisses, almost like an enemy might. You see, perfume and incense bring joy to the heart. Some people like going to, you know, aromatherapy stores and they enjoy that experience. I break out in hives, but, you know, some people like it. Uh, But what is it that brings joy to your heart? Well, he says, might be that. But what from a friend does that? Their heartfelt advice. And if your friendships don't have anything of this flavour to it at all if they don't have that, both that incredible sense that the other person, yes, they've got my back, but they're willing to stab me in the front when I need it a little, there's a little bit, you just. then you'll never become all you could be. That friendship could give you so much more. Maybe, in fact, you might sink deeper into sin or stupidity because no one's telling you you're doing something dumb. And last bit on this, this needs to happen both ways. So, I just had iron on iron here, but then you've got to flip the iron bits. It's not just one person being real and vulnerable, and the other person holds back and gives advice and plays that role of the wise one. Otherwise, it's not a friendship. It might be a mentorship or something, there's another word for it, but it's not friendship this is one of the most beautiful gifts that you can give someone. Um, So I catch up with John Jansen every now and again. And the first time he caught up with me, he just proceeded to be as raw and real and open with me as he possibly could. And I'm just like, my goodness, this man is above me in the faith. He doesn't need to do that. He's an older man I've got to look up to and respect. And and he just, just opened with me. And I was just like, what a privilege. Both ways, both sides. It's that sharing of truth, that sharing, sharing of truth and the sharing of the true response, the mutuality of that is what makes a friendship. So the question is, do you have any friends? Do you have any friends? We're gonna go to that little bit of the Bible Billy read for us so well. Thanks, brother. John chapter 15. Jesus' last set of conversations with his disciples before he died. And he's trying to prepare them for what's about to happen. They're about to see their friend Die. He wants to, he's desperately trying to prepare them to understand what all this means. And as he's reaching to describe something of what it is, he turns to the metaphor of friendship in John uh, chapter 15. I think that's all the way back here. John chapter 15. Greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. And you are my friends if you do what I command you. I no longer call you servants because a servant doesn't know his master's business. Instead, I've called you friends for everything that I have learned from my father. I've made known to you. He didn't hold anything back. You see, this is this is Jesus here being all of the things that we just saw a best friend does. He has opened himself up to his friends. They know his plans. Every bit of spiritual info that he got from God, he passed on. He didn't hold something back so that he would be the superior guru, right? That's what he's doing. They they knew his heart. as As he's hanging on a cross, as he's hanging on a cross, he can't be any more open to them than this. But but not only that, he didn't shy away from telling them how it was. He was real with them. He rebuked them when he was needed. Like mainly to blokes named Peter, like regularly, right? But they could take it because not only that, they knew he always had their back. When the Pharisees are having a go at them, he steps in. And lastly, you know, it's, it's in the Garden of Gethsemane, right? Where Jesus says, God, I don't want to do this. I really don't want to do this. Is there another way we can do this? And the answer comes back to, Look, um, it's, it's either you go to hell or you lose your friends. Take your pick. And Jesus chose to go to hell to keep his friends. And that's you. See, brothers and sisters who are here, you have a friend. You have a friend. Literally, you have a BFF, a best friend forever, if you're in Christ understand that. And so, leaning into friendship, how do we build friendships? How do we lean into friendship? Well, the way that we do it is by leaning into Jesus' friendship. You see, your friendship with Christ is what gives you enough so that you're not crushed by the rejections and the relationship sadnesses that we all go through, the the little the, the little conflicts that are involved in trying to find some friends. You know, the little niggles, the little anxieties that this person when I call them up they're going to be like, "Oh, yeah, oh, a bit busy this week and you're scared the bit busy this week really means I'm, I'm not your friend. We lean on Christ's friendship to give us the courage to, re, to risk, to invest in, to lean into friendships here, to trust a little bit more because you're feeling better because we know Jesus has not let us down. It gives you that power. Secondly, though, it doesn't just give you the strength to work at friendships. It actually makes you a better friend. Leaning into Jesus' friendship with you, trusting in it, makes you a better friend to others. See, to build a friendship, we have to work towards being better at being friends ourselves, right? I mean, aside from the advice that we've already known, um, aside from the, 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 the Proverbs that we got there, which I hope you took away from, hope you scrawled one or two of them down, the best thing that you can do for this is to lean into Jesus' friendship to you. You see, when we are so blessed by Him, when he when 's the guy we 've spoken to when we get home because he listens to us and he cares for us we 've already been heard. we 've been listened to by someone who matters to us and, and our hearts are not a full that rather than being desperate that this other person needs to provide us everything that we need our needs have been met by Christ. You see this is why knowing the gospel isn 't enough for a fully fledged Christian life we 've got to lean into our friendship with Jesus. Truly, in prayer, in habit, in action, so that I actually have this, this resource of, of relationship with Jesus to, to, to draw on so that if this person doesn't want to be my friend, I'm like, ah, that's a shame, but I'm, just, I'm not destroyed. And nor, and nor, if they did say, yes, I'll be your friend, will I just consume them because I'm putting on them all my hopes of all relationship that actually I should only be putting on to God makes us better friends when we lean into our friendship with Jesus. Now, you might be thinking, but Pete, look, you're, you're, you're a step past where I'm at too. What if I can't even begin to build a friendship with someone? What if I'm further back than that? What if I've never had that, oh, you too, moment with someone else? Not the band you too, like the whole, you, you know, you, you, you like the same things as me, moment. You never had that. And you know, you've never had that with anyone at church. That's Okay and I just want to loop back because you remember how I said church isn't, like friendship isn't guaranteed along with church. Like you can't force someone else at church to be your friend. It might've been a little disappointing to some of you sort of the the way I pushed that. The thing though is with church is if your deepest desire is Jesus, if he's your best friend and if you've leaned into him at that level where actually, you know, your deepest desire is to know God and, and if we all have done that, then everyone at church has the potential to be your deep friend, because he can be the oh, you you too. You care about Jesus too. You like talking about Jesus too. He's the he's what you what you what you think about. He's the one who makes your life okay. Yeah, I've been leaning on it for years. He's the only way I've got through either. <laughs> we can, we could be friends. At the, um, at the music day yesterday. Trevor Hodge, um, he was quoting someone else, I'm pretty sure, but I can't remember um, who he was quoting. Uh, and he said, enjoyment is completed by praise. Enjoyment is completed by praise. It, 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 is the, it is the did you see that whole chat afterwards that makes you enjoy the game that you just watched even more than you did before if you didn't have someone to, to, to banter with it about. Christian singing, which is what we talked about yesterday, is 2,000 years of post-game fan analysis of Jesus' win over the devil and over sin and death at the cross. We celebrate him. We praise him. We, we love him. You have him in common with every other person who calls themselves a Christian.